son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Looking to refresh your closet, home, or beauty routine this spring? Walmart's got all the stylish goods in one stop. From chic new looks and the latest makeup to quality furniture and tableware. Go to walmart.com slash now trending. That's walmart.com slash now trending for the hottest fashion, home, and beauty finds. Your style at Walmart. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to our podcast. This week, my guest is Greg Kushner, who is the founder and chairman of Lido Advisors. Welcome, Greg. Hi, Gary. Thank you for having me on the show today. So, Greg, tell us, how did you get into the finance world? That's not where you started out, but how, how did you get there? Well, you know, it's interesting. It's it's somewhat of a circuitous route, how I've uh, ended up where I'm at today. Um, I actually uh, started out in as a CPA in public accounting. I, I really liked accounting a lot in college, and I was doing personal financial planning, a very specific kind of accounting and, and tax work for very high net worth individuals. And I realized after about 10 years in the industry that I really loved investing more than I did accounting. And so I changed careers. I became a private banker for three years and um, my life really changed. What I did was always the same thing. I'd always do it, work with high net worth individuals, uh, but I would try to convince them to talk, to use a product or service offered by the particular bank I worked for, which is very different than what we do today. But I think it's important uh, for, for, for background. And then my life really changed when I went to work for a very, very wealthy family in Beverly Hills. Uh, the term family office, um, some of your listeners may know that term, others may not. But basically, if you have a hundred million, hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars, you have this thing called a family office. And basically what it is, it's a, it's a kind of a, a core group of people that all they do all day long is manage your financial affairs. And so uh, I did that for three years. Um, and yeah. while I was there, the three years went by incredibly quickly, uh, and I learned a heck of a lot. But what was really critical and it really is relevant to what I do today at Lido Advisors is a number of my former Price Waterhouse colleagues, that was the big accounting firm I worked for, um, had also left accounting and were also running some really, really major, extremely wealthy families uh, here in the Southern California area. Uh, these would all be names you would recognize immediately. And what I decided is we would just get together and network and kind of compare notes, share ideas. And, and so I invited a bunch of these folks to a luncheon and I asked my private banker at that time, hey, could you invite some of your bigger clients to a lunch? And he said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, Greg. 
And we did, and we would sit around a boardroom and they all look at me and they go, wow, this is, this is kind of cool, Greg. Um, you know, I keep coming if you organize it. So I organized a group and we would meet on a very regular basis. And when I uh, left the family, I started our sister company, Lido Consulting. And the idea was if I could be a resource for these very, very wealthy families, helping them do due diligence on investments and, and, and other things uh, along those lines, that would be a, a, a winning situation. Uh, and so you might say, well, okay, well, how does that impact everything today? So what kept happening was, and remember, as a CPA, I had a lot of CPAs who were friends here in Southern California, and they kept asking me the same question, Gary. Well, Greg, you understand what these really sophisticated, really wealthy families are doing with their money. I have a client, they just sold their business for $20 million. Or I have a widow, she just inherited $10 million from her late husband. Can't you manage their money the same way that these really incredibly sophisticated, really wealthy families invest theirs? And I go, you know what? That's a brilliant idea. Right. And, and really, uh, that was the genesis of Lido Advisors. Uh, we founded the firm. I founded the firm uh, back in 1999. And the idea was if we could somehow provide, I, 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 and I hate the sound, uh, sound of this, I mean, somebody who only has $5 million, or only 10 or only 20 million, which sounds ridiculous. That's a tremendous amount of wealth, but certainly not enough wealth to have a whole team of people at your beck and call, like these wealthy families. If we could somehow offer that same level of sophistication, I think that would be a winning formula. And I guess I was right. You know, well over 20 years later, we now are a national firm with offices across the country. We manage approximately around $11 billion of assets for almost exclusively high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals. And we do some work with, with you know, foundations and nonprofits and, and institutions as well. But the focus has always been helping people. And that's something, Gary, you know, we talked a little bit about, I, I just know myself personally, I love helping people. And right. in the wealth management business, that's really what my job is, is to help them meet their financial goals. So uh, I know that's been a, that's a bit of a long-winded history of how we got here, but being able to offer our investors and our clients this comprehensive approach. And oh, by the way, we don't invest money just the way that you know, the typical Wall Street firm invests uh, stocks and bonds. We invest our clients' money very much like how a, a wealthy family would invest theirs. So we use alternative investments in addition to the traditional stocks and bonds. We do hedging. We do things that these families do for their portfolios. And you can have that kind of approach when you're a client of Lido. Right. So in going through this and, and, you know, you've built this, you know, like you said, over, over 20 years and, and so forth, what are some of the common mistakes that, that you were seeing that the, the families make um, or, or even your colleagues were making when, when helping, you know, the families? Well, you know, certainly the family office has hopefully made less mistakes than the average individual investor. Sure. Uh, again, part of the sophistication and, 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 you know, people always say, well, Warren Buffett says X. So it's like, well, Warren Buffett doesn't have, you know, kids to, uh, to pay for college and vacation homes to purchase and retirement. He's pretty well set, we think. Right. right? right. Um, and so you can't really look at it from that perspective and people are human. I always say, you know, we're all human. We're all wired the same way. It's called greed and fear. Those are two very, very powerful emotions. And, you know, when the markets are running straight ahead and doing really, really well, what does the average investor want to do? They want to get more aggressive, which is exactly right. the wrong thing to do, clearly. You know, at the end of 2021, uh, that's the time to take some chips off the table and be more conservative. And yet 
the human emotion is, well, the market's gone up so much, we should do more. And then, of course, right now, as we're seeing a pretty significant sell-off in the markets uh, since the first of the year, we're certainly in correction territory, bear market, actually now bear market territory. Um, you know, what do clients want to do now? Well, individual investors, basically, they want to sell, right? You know, sell uh, at the absolute worst time. And they obviously want to buy at the absolute worst time. And as an investment you, advisor, you my that's, job, I always that's have to not say, what you're supposed to do. No. Buy, you know, <laughs> buy high and sell low. That's not but it. If you look at there's all kinds of studies out there. If you look at the average return of an investment equity mutual fund. And, if, and I'm just making up these numbers, but it's just to give you an idea. Let's say over the last 10 years, the fund averaged 10 percent a year. Typically, what happens is if you look and you drill down, and you see the individual investors in that mutual fund they almost always made substantially less than the return of the fund. And you go, well, wait a minute, if the fund made 10% a year, shouldn't they have earned 10%? And if you aggregate all the investors together, typically what happens is they earned a fraction of that. And why? They buy after the fund has had a really good period of performance and they, and they sell after they've been disappointed. And it's just, it just that repeats over and over and over. So as a professional investment advisor, hopefully, uh, you know, my job is, I guess, to, as I like to say, protect my clients from themselves. So when things are going super great you know, and they want to get more aggressive, I, I kind of reel, reel them in a little bit. And, and obviously during, you know, really rough periods like right now, you know, we make sure that we're not doing something that is not really in the client's best interest. And so one of the ways we help our clients is by doing some of these things I alluded to that these families talk about, which are alternative investments things that actually can make money during a, a really terrible period. And thankfully, you know, we've been doing this for so many years. We've, we've been able to uh, avoid a lot of the, the bloodbath that, uh, you know, a lot of traditional, they call them 60-40 investors, 60% in traditional equities, 40% in bonds. Well, if bonds, if the bond index is down well over 10% this year, and if the stock market's down 20, you know, you're going to be down, you know, certainly significant down, you know, double digits. So, um, if you can avoid those big drawdowns, you know, you're, I think you're going to be much more successful in meeting your long-term financial goals. One of the things I try to explain to clients, and it's just simple math, if I have a million dollars and it's down 25%, I have 750,000, right? Well, right. now I have to make 33%, 250,000, which is 33% uh, of 750 to get back to even. And that's obviously not very easy. Whereas if you have a much more modest drawdown, it's much easier to get back on track. So if you're down, let's say, uh, let's make it say 10%, uh, you have to be up around 11% or so to, to get back to even. So, you know, the rule number one of investing is, you know, don't lose money, right? Uh, and, or lose a lot less. And what's rule number two of investing? And that's refer to rule number one. It's all about compounded growth. And that's, that's I think, one of the things that you asked about, you know, mistakes that, that investors make. I think they get too enamored with things. They 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 love you know their stocks that they might have picked and done really well with, and they're they're not willing to understand that you know not everything goes up forever. And you know, remember in two thousand and seven, two thousand eight, you know all the well publicized stories of people buying houses using what were called liar loans, right. you know making up numbers on their on their applications. And 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 I remember you know the comment was very simple. Well, housing prices always go up. Well, no, they don't. Now they might always go up over a 30 year period, you know, with inflation, but not necessarily in the short term. And if you have to make debt service and you can't afford it and you have to sell it at the worst time, 
Uh, you know, obviously, we we know what happened during the great financial crisis. So that that's kind of the things that I look for, making sure that clients understand math and understand, you know, what is it they want to accomplish. Um, and and if it's simply to make sure that uh, their their money doesn't run out before they do in retirement. Um, you now, sometimes I find that when a, a prospective client walks in the door, they're actually Gary taking on too much risk. They're yeah. like, "You've already won the game. Why are you taking all this risk?" And, and subjecting yourself to possibly not being able to uh, meet all your financial goals. So those are things that we look at very carefully. I think sometimes people's egos get in their way. Yeah. And that's I always like to say bull markets make for a lot of geniuses, right? Right, and, right. You know, so sure. when the market's going up 20% a year every year, even though perhaps you're taking more risk than you should, you know, you, you're happy. And then, of course, you know, when we have a market, you know, correction or bear, worse bear market, um, then all of a sudden people go, well, maybe I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. Right. And again, that's something that's a very common error that people make. Right. What, so what are some of the fears that, that your clients have and how are you helping them overcome it? I mean, obviously the typical, Hey, I run out of money, but you know, what is, what are some of the other things that, that, that the fears that they have and, and how are you helping them overcome those? Well, you know, I think everybody has the fear of the unknown and, and clearly nobody knows where, you know, the economy is headed, you know, going forward. We know the Fed, you know, yesterday increased interest rates by 75 basis points, the largest in many, right. many, many years in, in one shot. So nobody really knows where the, the economy is going. I think, though, I think most people would agree. If you look out a year, two years or three years, it's likely that our economy will be bigger than it is today. And the stock market is a future looking animal. It's looking forward. It's not looking backwards. And so, you know, if you believe in the U.S. economy and if you believe long term that we are, are going to grow the economy, then certainly you should have some of your money invested you know, for long term growth in the stock market. Um, but that's obviously much easier said than done because, you know, of the volatility that we've been seeing and, and, and having somebody who's sitting on the sidelines with cash. How do you get them to say, OK, now is the right time? Market timing is well known to be a very difficult thing to be able to pull off. You might know when to get out and, right. and make that decision, but then when do you know to, when to get back in? And that's the much harder one. So at our firm, we've done, and we, we've done this now with multiple billions of dollars of capital where we use options to be able to provide our client, we call it investing with a parachute, where you have some downside protection if you happen to time it incredibly poorly, but you still are able to participate in the upside of the market. Now, obviously there's lots of risks that we, you know, we don't really have time to go through all the pluses and minuses, right. but the point is, you know, if you have a, a vehicle that you can give an investor some solace to know that if the market drops, you're going to lose a lot less going back to my argument earlier, and yet you can still participate in upside. I think that's a winning combination for a portion of a client's portfolios. The old adage, uh, when you use options, they can either be used as a as a um, as a sword or as a shield. In other words, you can use them incredibly offensively. You know, people use options to make a whole lot of money or lose a lot of money, and that's not what we do. We use them really more as a shield to help clients, um, you know, from from substantial losses. And and I think that's really an important element of a lot of what a, a strong wealth advisor should be doing is finding ways to protect. As I like to say, and I mentioned before, protecting the clients really from themselves, so that if they don't lose a whole lot, you know, during a really tough scenario, you know, they're they're much better able to uh, meet their financial goals during retirement or whatever they're trying to save for. Right. 
What, you know, because you've had multiple careers, you know, doing doing a little bit of different things, what's one of the best pieces of advice that you have gotten over your years? Well, I I think focus, the word focus, I remember that uh, early on when I was trying to do working with these families, doing starting our investment advisory business, putting on events, um, you know, try to focus on what you're really good at. And, and try to eliminate, you know, being spread too thin. As an entrepreneur, that's a lot easier said than done. And when, especially when I started our company, it was just one employee, uh, me. And now, you know, I think we're uh, approximately around 150 employees across 27 offices. So uh, fortunately for me, I have a lot of great people on our team that can help. Uh, so I can focus on what I know I'm good at, which is working with my existing clients who I've worked with for many, many years, who all love me and I love them. And have such a wonderful working relationship and then help help some of the younger folks in our firm, you know, build their books of business, help them bring in uh, additional clients to the firm. One of the things I'm most proud of is we have a very, very, very high retention level, uh, much, much higher than the average in our industry. Uh, as I always like to say, once you become a Lido client, uh, you're a member of the Lido Advisors family, you never leave. And so um, that's that's what I enjoy. That's what I like doing. So you know, I, I was meeting with a young gentleman who's graduating from uh, graduate school at the end of this year, who was thinking about uh, a career in wealth management. And I was telling him, if you, you know, and, I, and this is pretty, you know, pretty common advice, but I think it's, it's, it holds true. Do what you love. You know, it's, you're going to be good at what you do. Do what you love to do. You know, people ask me, Greg, am I ever going to retire? And my, and even though my wife would like me to, I go, no, why? I love what I do. And, you know, it's such a, it's, it's fun getting up in the morning and working with clients and helping them meet their financial goals. So um, do what you like and, and focus. I think those are two really good uh, pieces of advice. One thing I did learn from the, uh, the family I worked for, and by the way, there, they, there was a lot of acrimony amongst the various family members, which is very common in, in that world. Um, one of the things I did learn was cut your losses. Don't don't cry over spilt milk. If you if you try something and it doesn't work, cut your losses and move on. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs really kind of get sidetracked by focusing too much on a new idea, a new product, new strategy, or whatever it might be. And it, it's clear it's just not going to work. And they don't want to accept that they're they're wrong or it's it's just not the right product or right service at that time. And they've spent whatever time and effort to do it. You right. gotta just move on and and you know focus again on what's working and that's some of the things that you know, I've I've taken to our business and, and and clearly it's worked as we're one of the fastest growing wealth advisors in the country over the last decade. So, you know we're and I don't want to say we're we're out of the pandemic because there still seems to be things cropping uh, up. My wife just got over COVID uh, not too long yeah. ago. I had it in April. We both successfully avoided it from. The beginning of the pandemic to very recently, and fortunately for both of us, it was really just like getting a cold and nothing right. you know, terrible. But um, yeah, I, I don't think we're fully through the pandemic, but we're we're hopefully seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. What from a just strictly from a business standpoint, not dealing with your clients or stuff, but from a, a, a business standpoint, what was the biggest takeaway that you got because of what everybody went through? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that's that's a great question, and and myself and my management team, you know, certainly in early uh, days of the pandemic, it's like we're all scratching our head trying to figure out what does this really mean for the economy, for the business, for for us. 
And you know, one thing that was very clear is that the the government moved very very quickly uh, to you know provide financing, provide a backstop to basically an artificial recession. You know, the right. the recession happened because the government made it happen, right. and the government also you know on one hand made it happen, on the other hand really made it a lot less right. uh, painful for for a lot of businesses because of the cash that they were handing out. That's not to take anything away from families and individuals who lost their jobs and businesses who had to shut down, particularly right. in travel or you know restaurant business. Um, it, you know, it's just it's just you know years of of our lives, especially um, you know folks who had maybe young kids had to stay at home. You know, maybe in a small you know apartment. Um, you know, I, I, a client of mine had a uh, had a son who, and, and daughter and two grandkids who lived in New York City uh, during the pandemic on a, in a high-rise condo, you think, well, you can't feel too sorry for them. They were in this luxury condo in New York City. I think they were like on the 60th floor. Uh, there was only four people per elevator. And, you know, wow. you, you were you're pretty much trapped in your apartment. Oh, and yeah. Think about that. It's just it's just a, an awful thing. But from a, from a business perspective, I, I think we were very, very proactive. We actually had investment meetings over the weekend. I remember that, uh, I guess it was probably March 30th, you know, the March low, March 23 was the low for the stock market. I think that weekend, uh, we all met, we talked about strategies that we could implement to take advantage of all the dislocations. Right. Again, I think a lot of investors were paralyzed and they just go, well, I don't know what to do. We, we actually saw opportunities and we took them. And I think clients really appreciate the fact that uh, we did that. And one of the things from a business perspective that I did back in 2008, and I would recommend other business owners, regardless of the industry, when things are really upside down, as it was in 2008, 2009, during the financial crisis, and as it was in the early days of the pandemic, I actually started writing a daily email to every single client of our firm, basically just kind of giving them a highlight of what's happening in the market. They could have probably found out most of what I wrote, you know, if they wanted to do a Google search and look at where, you know, the markets were, but I put it in all, you know, a very concise email and I made it personalized. I would say, well, here's what Lido Advisors is doing right now for our portfolios. Here's what we're thinking of doing, et cetera. And I did that every single day for months. And I got so many compliments from clients across the country thanking me for doing that. And to me, that's the key element of being in a service business. You want your clients to understand you're not just sitting there on your hands doing nothing, or as I always like to say, out playing golf. Right. Um, I always tell my clients, if uh, if your money manager is a scratch golfer, time to get a new money manager. Right. Person right. spending probably way too much time on the golf course. Now that's there's always exceptions to that rule, but when clients play golf with me, they know I'm not spending too much time. <laughs> that's very evident very quickly. Right. Right. Yeah. I I, I know going through going through the pandemic, um, you know, with what you were doing, I gave a lot of my clients that same advice was to, hey, reach out to your clients or even past clients that you have, if you were in the remodeling industry or anything like that, and just let them know that, hey, we're still here. Yeah. And, you know, because a lot of people didn't know who was open, who was closed, and things like that, and who who was working. I mean, we were, you know, we were lucky because we're considered essential. Yeah. So our office was open the whole time. And, you know, but, you know, we were answering the phones when people were calling where a lot of businesses weren't doing that, even though they were still open. 
Um, and I and I think that it, it makes for a stronger relationship with your with your clients. Um, yeah. You know, when you're a hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's just you know again, it's that relationship, and and to me, that's that's what you know we strive for here is to have a relationship with our clients. Yeah it's not transactional for us. So, yeah. you know, I think that's important. No, you, you're right. It's, it's that relationship. And that, as mentioned before with my clients, you know, they all love me. I love them. You know, they trust me, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not in the investment business. I'm not in the wealth management business. I'm actually in the trust business. And, right. and people tell me, Greg, you know, you just exude trust, you know, and I'm like, well, I know I'm trustworthy, but how do they figure <laughs> that out? And right. I think it's because I, 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 I'm a straight shooter. I, I educate my clients on things they should be thinking about, things they should know. And, and I have the experience to back it up, which is, I think, fortunate. But um, at the end of the day, if you, if you don't have the trust of the, of the client, you have nothing. Right. Obviously, you've already talked about how the Feds increased um, you know, the rates yesterday. What, because of that, what do you see... Um, you know, as a as an investor, what do you see, you know, us facing here in the next, you know, month, two months, three months? Well, you know, I, I don't want to be in the business of predicting, but you know, I think we talk in the terms of probabilities. What are the probabilities of X, Y, or Z? I think investors get themselves into too much trouble by they say, you know, there's is there going to be a recession or not? That's really not the right question. Is what's the probability? That we're going to be headed into recession in the next 12 months or what's the probability of the fed continuing over overreach and, and increase in rates uh, sending us into recession etc so you know just because it's not it's not 100 percent and it's zero and certainly not zero percent it's somewhere right. in between so what i try to do is work with my clients to say okay here here's our view here's our probability uh, that we think this is going to happen and and you know if they have a similar view then obviously that that We'll, we'll build a portfolio based on those things. So, you know, if the market goes into recession, as I mentioned earlier, we'll have plenty of things we'll do just fine and, and we should hold up uh, hold up value very well. And, you know, if, if we um, somehow avoid recession and we, you know, the market kind of just kind of plods along and starts to recover, you want to make sure you're going to be able to participate. So, you know, someone says, let's just go to cash today. You basically are saying, well, there's a 100% chance the market's going to go down, which I, I would disagree with. Um, is there a chance? Absolutely. Sure. Is it, is it a hundred percent? Probably not. Is it 0%? Definitely not. And so that's really the thought process that we would want to take our clients through. And again, by building these alternatives and things in the portfolio that hopefully, you know, should do well, things like investing directly in real estate or lending secured by real estate are two things that we do a lot of in our shop that hopefully will not be as dramatically impacted because of the risk metrics that we try to employ, should the economy fall into a much more deeper uh, hole. So again, when, whether or not it's going to be a difficult three or six months or nine months or a year, you know, one of the things I have noted is that generally when we've seen significant drawdowns like we've been seeing, the, the snapback, the so-called V recovery seems to be happening with ever increasing velocity or speed. So you know, again, it doesn't give someone solace who's down substantially on their equity portfolio. But, you know, if you are, in fact, a long-term investor and you are willing to not sell at the worst time and you're willing to hold, I think that's 
you know, that is probably the right move. One of the things as an investment advisor, clients will sign what's called a risk profile when they become a client. And that's really kind of geared on a lot of factors on their tolerance for risk, what their objectives are, et cetera. And one of the things I always caution people not to do is change that, that profile because of what's happening in the world. You know, why did you go from a fairly aggressive investor to ultra conservative? Nothing's changed in your life. Is that correct? Now, maybe somebody got divorced or there's, you know, your business failed. I mean, obviously there's always circumstances that could happen, but if nothing materially has happened, you have to be pretty, uh, pretty good arguer to tell me why you are, you should change your overall long-term goals. Right. Yeah. I, I would agree with you hundred percent on that. And I find many times you know, uh, in your industry and, and mine and on the, the business advising side of things is that we're talking people off the ledge. Yeah. Um, and and like you said earlier, we're helping them not make the mistakes um, and, and, and really being there to support them. You know, and, and as I mentioned, I've been working with most of my clients so, for so many years. I, I During March of 2020, during the pandemic, when the market dropped dramatically, I got virtually no phone calls from nervous clients. They, right. The only calls I got were, are we going to get more aggressive now? Which is, <laughs> and same thing now. You know, I've gotten right. very, very few phone calls worrying about the market. They're, they're really now, I had a call the other, other evening with a client, a husband and wife. They said, should we be getting more aggressive now that the market's traded down? So, uh, you know, I think we've done a good job of training our, our clients to understand, you know, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? right. It's, it's the long haul. And, you know, we did fantastic over the last number of years. And I always want to make sure they understand risk versus return. Are you getting paid the proper number of units of return for whatever level of risk you should be taking? Right. And unfortunately, in our industry, when, you know, before we got on uh, on the call, we were talking earlier about risk and, and understanding that. And I think in our industry, uh, as a generalization, of course, I think they do a very poor job of explaining risk to yeah. clients. And there's a there's a motivation because most managers fail miserably to provide what's called alpha, to be able to generate more units of return for whatever units of risk you're taking. And at Lido Advisors, we actually, we have a report. We show every quarter when we sit down with our clients, here's the volatility of your portfolio. Here's the what we call the beta. And did we add any alpha? Did we add any value? Did you get paid more than you should have? Or did you lose less than you should have given the risk you were taking? And that's something that we're we're very upfront, very transparent about. And I think that's maybe translates why we have such a high retention level. We show our clients the good, the bad, and the ugly, if there is any. And you know, it's that's the right way to do it. Fortunately, for the most part, we've been able to to successfully provide uh, what we say in the investment business is alpha outperformance. Right. right. So, Greg, I mean, you've you've covered a lot of stuff. A lot of great stuff that that I think our listeners are are really uh, learning a lot from from listening to you. What have I not asked you that you wish I had? Well, here's the thing that I think the average investor just doesn't understand, and that's understanding the motivation of how your advisor gets paid. To me, that's one of the most important criteria of working with a financial advisor. And there's really two main categories in the world that we deal with. And that's the brokerage industry and the financial advisory um, or uh, wealth manager or RIA registered investment advisor world. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, let's take it, you know, take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. I'm obviously biased. 
I, I am a wealth advisor. I, I represent a registered investment advisor and we get compensated as a fiduciary. And what does that mean in English? Only the client pays us. And if there's any conflicts of interest at all, we make sure we're required by law that we disclose those conflicts. We work very, very hard to avoid any conflicts of interest so that whatever advice we are giving, we truly believe is in our client's best interest. And, <laughs> excuse me. That's just not the case in the large brokerage world. Um, they get paid based on transactions. They get paid based on putting you in things that are um, maybe better for them, maybe not the absolute best thing for you, the investor. And that's just black and white. Yet people trust their brokers because they've been doing it a long time or they take them out golfing, as I said right. before. Um, and there's, there's good brokers and there are bad brokers. There are good advisors and there are bad advisors. But from my perspective, if I'm a client and I, I know nothing other than I have two choices, a broker or an advisor, I much would prefer to work with the advisor who is not financially incented to do something for me. And oh, by the way, I would also look to make sure the advisor has skin in the game where they're actually investing in the same things that they're recommending. Right. And that's something we take a lot of pride in as well. We'd like to make sure that the clients understand we're in it together. As I always like to say, we either smile together or we cry together, right. we are together. And that's the most important question that I think um, investors just never seem to ask. Right, right. Great, great words there. I mean, that definitely, um, I always look at it, you know, when you have skin in the game, you tend to to listen a little bit more yeah. than, than if you don't, that's for sure. Yep, absolutely. If our, if our listeners like what they've heard today and they would like to talk to you, how, how can they reach out to you? Sure. Well, they can visit our website, which is lidoadvisors.com. That's L-I-D-O-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S.com. Uh, or they can call our uh, our main office in Los Angeles at area code 310-278-8232. And they can ask for me, Greg Kushner. Again, I'm the chairman and founder, and I'm, I'm happy to talk to the folks. Uh, again, I think it comes across. I love educating people, uh, and I love helping them understand the, the choices that are available in our industry. But Great. I really appreciate the time today and thank you for uh, uh, for the interview. I, I love doing this. Thanks so much. Great. Yes, I really appreciate you being on today. So today our guest was Greg Kushner, who's the founder and chairman of Lido Advisors. See you guys next week. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.